All right, let's talk food. Welcome to Travel Mouth. This is your host, Jeff Ehrman. I'm here with my food friend, Dan, today. Dan, how you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well, Jeff. Happy to be with you. Oh, I really appreciate you joining me. You know, I, I got to tell our audience real quick before we get going that you did uh, you did preview me a certain breakfast sandwich that you're chewing on there. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm actually, and I, and, I, and I do apologize if there's moments of uh, pause before I reply to you. because uh, <laughs> It's a food show. We allow that. We allow <laughs> that's that. It. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Jeff, I uh, had some brisket left over and uh, fried myself up an egg, a little bit of arugula, some uh-huh. uh, some nice little uh, queso, and then I make a, uh, a home uh, Thai chili oil, so making sure that it all wraps together. And and we'll 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 touch on this later cuz you you did some pretty good food and drink pairings in your in your survey as well, but what's the uh, what's the drink pairing today? Uh drink pairing is going up straight up the Magnum of Cooks at 10.99 with nice. some simple oh yeah, simple OJ man just to you know kind of a little Mimosa. bit of hair, hair of the dog to wake everybody up and get that vitamin C and citric acid to kind of blend with the uh brisket. See, that's, I've definitely done that where it's not only is it the, the cook's bottle, but it's like the leftover remainder of the cook's bottle. <laughs> what didn't get killed the night before. So I've done that, that high class mimosa myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Well, Dan, did you, did you want to do us a, a quick intro? Tell us about yourself, what you're up to these days, where you're living. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, originally from Massachusetts in the Berkshire Hills, grew up in a uh, proper East Coast mutt household where my mother was Irish, my father was Italian. So my grandmothers were constantly combative with uh, with food menus and ideas, which was Ooh. really something special to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, that's, that's good energy. Yeah. And uh, my uncle actually owned a specialty food shop, which got me really into global cuisine at an early age. And really falling in love with just different flavor combinations. And I took that and, you know, worked restaurant uh, for a while and then found out how much money the bartenders and the servers were making. So I <laughs> left my pet, left my passion for my own kitchen Smart. and moved forward there financially. And uh, I've been out in Denver, Colorado now since about 2005 and uh, in and out of the food scenes, uh, heavily into the craft beer scenes. And uh, yeah, I, my my appreciation of uh, food at home for my family is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with slow cooking and beginning dinner at 11 and 12 o'clock in the afternoon to uh, be able to prepare somebody something, you know, not exquisite, but careful and with love and uh, have it ready by six o'clock. Well, in fine dining, sometimes they talk about food as entertainment and it's like, OK, this is going to be a three hour, four hour seated event, um, you know. And it's going to be the evening for you pretty much. And so, yeah, you you know, you spend $200 on the evening or whatever, but you didn't go to a show. You didn't uh, didn't spend all the extra money of like having an evening out. It was all kind of an all encapsulating event. I like doing exactly what you're talking about and creating that same kind of event where the evening is preparation. Step one, get all your mise en place, you know, then you take a break, you have a beer, like you just make it an evening of it. And kind of letting it flow, inviting people into the kitchen to help you in certain parts and and then, you know, letting everyone at the end kind of build their own plate or whatever it is to where there's that kind of an interaction at each stage. And it becomes, you know, we didn't just have tacos. We made tacos. I, yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, and, and it's, you know, as a, as a father of a six year old, um, you know, we had one of the learning towers and he was right there stretching pizza dough with me and watching me blend everything in the mixer. Oh, hell yeah. You know, stealing pepperoni slices, thinking that I'm not looking and, you know, just 
Now, good, good, fun stuff that uh, that again relates to storytelling as well, yeah. right? My 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 little dudes. My wife is from Australia. They immigrated from Malta during the war, so there's oh, wow. just a, a really deep uh, Mediterranean lifeline that uh, that that kind of flows through my kitchen. And then, I mean, Denver is such an eclectic place with so many uh, Asian communities, Korean, Vietnamese. We've got we've we found some like you know authentic Chinese r- restaurants and being able to Beautiful. you know bring 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 all of those sauces and those flavors and and the contrasting ingredients that really go well together and being able to present that to a to a infant now a six year old and have him uh, you know Fridays is uh, usually pizza and oysters and my little dudes sh- helping me shuck and and eating raw oysters and uh, you know just jazzing on it. That's fantastic. And just as much as those memories are important to you, those memories are going to be important to them, too, for their life for a long, long time. So that's that's really great that you're building those memories. Heck yeah, man. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to start with on your uh, survey is this amazing concept of chocolate and pork rinds. I love both of those things. Would I love them together? It just. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm I almost mean, having a hard time wrapping my mind. I, I mean, I think about like maybe a, a mole kind of a thing, like a savory chocolate yep. kind of dish, and I do love mole. So, how do you present the chocolate? Are you are you chocolate covering them? Are you dipping in chocolate? Like, what's the plan? Oh, man, no, no. This is like this is just late night snack, right? The kids go okay. to bed. The oh, kitchen's oh, cleaned oh. up. Like just simply a wedge of chocolate oh, goes yeah, into the yeah, mouth no, at the same no, time. Okay, yeah, okay, like, okay. Deep inside, that just just completely like pate out your palate and then having that chocolate that obviously has that same kind of melting texture and uh, uh, you know, coating again. Uh, And then the two of them together, right. Where that, that, you know, chocolate has such a calm vibration to it as far as an emotional reaction and that pork rind just kind of sings of, uh, of something you shouldn't be consuming. Right. And, uh, and just the two of them together with a little bit of just to kind of, you know, have that nightcap and put on a show for 30 minutes or whatever the heck else I do. Uh, yeah, that's a guilty pleasure for sure. Well, the, the aspect of it I hadn't really thought about because I immediately was like the flavor combination, trying to imagine that, uh, imagine that, you know, the kind of savory flavor of the pork rind, salty, and then the, uh, okay, I could see how that kind of works. I didn't even consider the contrasting uh, textures that would be quite interesting yes yeah and that's really kind of you know think about your m&m right with your crispy crunchy shell yeah and your chocolate there you in go the center there you um, go. so there, there's so it's, it, and that's it too right there's some kind of embedded emotion of uh of my past that that really comes out in a uh, harmonious way that really kicks off some cool endorphins so um if my body is digging it on a cellular level then man i just I don't even have to think about it in the frontal lobe i just get after it Wow. All right. Well, obviously I'm doing that. <laughs> That's yeah, what's brother. been so fun. I feel like after many of these podcasts, I end up with uh, an assignment or two. Uh, and so we're here right off the bat. I've got one where I'm like, yep, I'm gonna have to do that. Yes. And I'm and I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to the outcome and checking in on you to make sure that it oh, doesn't overwhelm you and become that coming every night thing because you and know. it's it's all in-house yeah i've got the i've got the chocolate ready to go i've got some really nice chocolate that i picked up a, a belgian chocolate and i've got i guess the pork rinds i have right now are tahine pork rinds but that'll work absolutely <laughs> that just leans more into the mole concept i think 
There you go. No, I like it. I like it. It's a good concept. Good way to look at it. So you mentioned, and I, I want to now go because uh, this got me to do a little more research about what their cuisine is and stuff there. You mentioned Malta um, and uh, you said, I, I guess that your your wife is from Malta is what you're saying? Well, my wife's family. Uh, yeah. family. So okay. she, she was the first generation Australian. Uh, yeah. Ma- majority of her father and mother's family were all born in Malta. Uh, okay. I think, uh, you know, that one of them or two may have been on the boat when they uh, when they set sea to leave as, you know, the English took over Malta and the Italians mm-hmm. started bombing away because whoever owned Malta owned the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and so it became it was either, you know, Commonwealth, you either go to Canada or you go to Australia and everybody in, in our family uh, was uh, like, which one's closer to to Malta? And they were like, oh, yeah, you want to go to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, man, the uh, Malta. It, it, whenever you get to go, I I, I encourage it and, and sh- the dining aspect of it, and and just you know a Saturday afternoon that starts at ten a.m. and uh, you know so many times I walk by these little cafes and there was just you know three people at a table and maybe fifteen or sixteen empty bottles of beer and uh, <laughs> you know just sitting back in the sun and chatting and having a little bit of pizza or having some roasted rabbit or a little bit of octopus stew or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. The, it's a very, you know, limestone based, uh, very rough, um, uh, ecosystem when it comes mm-hmm. to the ground. So there isn't a lot of large game whatsoever or, or cattle. Um, majority of what you're eating is either lamb rabbit, or it comes from the sea. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, it's uh, a lot of slow cooking and, uh, a lot of old style, you know, a lot of stones being used as heat, heat uh, absorption and what have you and hmm. um and amazing too like we, we were there and i took out let's see there was two four six adults two kids at the time and we dined we drank wine and i think our bill was like 150 euro oh my goodness yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the rewarding like part bucks. about travel is yeah when, when you're like i spent all this money to get over here but then you can eat like that it's like oh okay i just got some of that money back didn't i Oh, dude, it was the best. We were like literally on public transportation because Malta is uh, is literally, I think it's maybe it's 15 by 30 miles, something like that. Oh, so you that's buy a small. bus pass, yeah. you don't rent a car and the buses just constantly go wherever you're going. And literally there was a couple of kids with their fingers in the gills of fish on the side of the road, hanging them up. Um, and uh, yeah, I was able to. I was able to buy a couple of fish. They wrapped them up in paper for me and we brought them back to the, nice. uh, the, the place we were staying and cooked them up and yeah man it was it was uh it it was it's a wonderful place and i look forward to eventually potentially retiring there beautiful yep i i got to visit uh some greek isles um a few years ago with my dad and that was kind of my feeling was like if i ever need to disappear or retire or (laughs) whatever and i think one of them was corfu that i really liked and and that's not too far away from that and it's the same kind of you know mediterranean island um it has that same kind of feeling that you talked about too just everything slowed down a little bit i don't know there's just a greater connection to nature and product and community and and i i guess even being in that area and I, I did live in Italy for a little bit as a child, too. But I noticed that so few ingredients are used on the plate. You know, they bring you, say it is something like a grilled octopus or a stewed rabbit or whatever. The the total ingredients on the plate is going to be like three to five, maybe six total ingredients used in that dish. 
And that same dish produced, let's say a, a grilled octopus pr- dish produced here in America, sometimes that's going to have like 10, 12, 15, 20 ingredients. And I think it kind of speaks to their their faith in the quality of product that they can use so few things and yet make such gloriously delicious food. Yeah, you know, and and it kind of like it relates back to, you know, starting dinner at 11 a.m. Uh, in the kitchen, right? I mean, yeah, it's, just, yeah. It's, it's that it's this. It's, yes, it's a slower pace. Uh, you know, obviously, today we live with a lot more. um you know, influence, shall we say? Um, sure. But yeah, like it, it, they do it in a way that this is just cuisine, right? This is what we make, and and because of that freshness, and because of you know letting the main part of the dish stand out and having mm-hmm. complement complementary balance, versus you know a new chef in a competitive market who's trying to wow, right. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's often what I find is that I have trouble even editing myself. I get, Oh, well, what if I add this and add that? It's that, uh, you know, less is more is, is often a good way to go. Did I lose you, Dan? I think audio is cutting out. Dan? Jeff, you with me? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It just crashed. It actually closed the window and everything. Like you went silent for a minute. We'll have to edit that back. Sorry about that. No, it's all good, man. It's hopefully we don't have that issue again. <laughs> this is some real world stuff here we're talking about. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, just to kind of hit on <clears throat> that, you know, one of the one of the greatest uh, additions to my kitchen um, this last couple of years was the sous vide and uh, mm-hmm. the food saver vacuum. So it's like, you know, I can get a bunch of steaks and pre-season them and, and, and vacuum seal, stick them in the freezer. And the same thing with, you know, chicken thighs with like a little bit of mojo or, you know, just having all of those pre-season fl- flavors and really allowing for, uh, you know, what I, sticking with the theme of how I want to feed my family, but doing it with a level of convenience mm-hmm. that allows for, you know, a double working household and a very active uh, child man grab that out of the freezer put that in the sous vide bath you know you run your chicken at 160 and let it go for eight hours and when it comes down to making a quick simple stir fry and the rice cooker and all of the conveniences of small appliances and then mm-hmm. you know i got a big uh cast iron flat out on the grill outside and take that chicken out or the steak out and sear it up real fast render down the fat and skin and then boom you know spending uh, it's funny you mentioned like the the dining aspect and sitting back for two or three hours and really having course after course and, and parrying yeah. and all that jazz. But at the same time, having like six to eight hours invested in of of minor minor uh, labor, yeah. uh, our dinners our dinners end up being like twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, pinning the little guy down to sit down at the table and enjoy and come together. Sometimes you know it's usually probably closer to thirty or forty, but the actual eating that, portion, yeah, yeah, the actual eating portion, Definitely. right? Yeah. yeah. So, so having this love affair, as far as my own personal self is concerned, um, I, I share it with my family, but I don't really get too talky about it because it's just me. It's who I want. It, it's it's yeah. a it's a therapy for myself to to just have this you know a relationship with food. And, and, and obviously there's a lot of, uh, uh, 
endorphins when it comes to sharing that and seeing someone smile and, and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it, 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 a lot of people think that food is hard and it really isn't if you just let it take you over. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I feel like we're on the same page on a lot of that stuff, especially the the appreciation of giving food to people and watching them enjoy it. That's that's always huge for me. It's like, you know, I can only I can only enjoy it so much. I feel like there's a threshold on how much I can enjoy preparing and eating and stuff. But then it's exponential when I'm able, especially if it's somebody I care about, um, that that really even makes it more important and more impactful for me. So, yeah, that's that strengthens my connection for sure. So, Dan. Yep. Oh, okay. I thought I thought maybe we lost you again. <laughs> we're just we're just falling into falling into ditches no. like Moon Patrol. Um. So uh, we talked about. Uh, let's see here. We talked about Tunisia. Uh, no, we didn't get over that. That's something I wanted to mention. So something about Malta, and I, I made a note about this: is that it's so close to Africa, and I wasn't seeing much African influence in the food. Did any of the spices or anything make it? Onto the island, did you ever notice any like, I don't know, Libyan, Tunisian influence from from their coastal neighbors there, or is it mostly going to be kind of that Mediterranean, Greek, and Italian? Yeah, you know, and, and it, it heavily uh, Arabic as well, right? I mean, oh, the, okay, the there is a lot of that Middle Eastern style of food, and there really isn't a lot of that uh, African influence. Um, okay, God, you know, and it's funny too. The, the Malta has such a I mean, everybody has invaded Malta, right? The only one that ever successfully, that, yeah, yeah, the only one, which, which usually means really good food, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. the only one that was successful was, uh, um, oh gosh, what was our N Napoleon? Because uh, was they had the the Knights of Saint George were posted up there, and gosh, the stories I remember when Persia was uh, was attacking, and and the Knights of Saint George were there, and and, and some of the stories of running out of ammo and literally shooting the heads of uh, the captive uh, army back at the Persians um, was part of their history and, and an event that occurred. And mm. just thinking of wow. uh, thinking of that as a, as seeing a comrade floating next to you and it's only a decapitated version of them. Um, these are some hard people. Malta, Malta is uh, they're, they're, they're strong willed. Uh, they, they, they have a very, very hard backbone and a very warm, welcoming soft facade um and it's it's uh yeah I, I was there i got to spend two weeks there um when i was last and it's a it's a really fun place but you don't want to mess with anybody because you could get shanked <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah so the that i find that that can be the way the sometimes the most welcoming kindest people have a uh have a hard side have a tough side yeah so let's let's talk about pork belly because that came up a couple times, oh. and I too am a huge yes. fan of pork belly. I've I've had many different preparations. Uh, recently, I bought even a. There's a local company here in Washington that does a lot of like Chinese sausage and stuff like that, and they released a two pack at Costco of a five spice um, cured pork belly, and it was amazing. I just killed our second one, and I went back looking for it, and they don't have it anymore, of course. Um, but. Yes. Anyway, that to say, I also love pork belly. Um, can you tell us about which ways you like eating oh, pork man. belly? Oh, uh, man. I, I like to... <clears throat> I can't take full credit for this, but I'll start out as my narrative. I like to use I like to use pork belly as yeah. a chaser. Okay. Explain. Crushing beers, what are we man. chasing? Crushing some, crushing some banquets oh. and popping pork belly while you're drinking beer. Like good, proper, 
American Pilsner, lower the ABV, course is a little bit up there at 5%. But uh, so uh, there we have this, <clears throat> um, I don't know if you remember uh, Havana, Havana and Yale in uh, Aurora as a good uh, Korean uh, market, H-Mart. Um, and they had one up north as well. Yeah. So there's oh, yeah. Little Canton Barbecue. Um, and they do a beautiful duck. They've got roasted pork and they've got pork belly where they're just doing the entire belly. And you come in and ask for whatever weight amount, half a pound, pound, two pounds, and then they chop it up in a little mm -hmm. bite-sized pieces. And I was in there grabbing some and there was a little dude behind me in uh, a Japanese guy. And, uh, and I asked, I was like, yeah, can I get a pound of pork belly? And he's like, I want one too. And, uh, and the woman's like, okay. So she starts shopping and he says to me, he goes, he goes, you use them as chasers. And I was like, huh? And he's like, I said, what do you mean? He's like the pork belly, you use them as chasers. And I was like, chasers for what? And he's like, beers, man, beers, man. I drink my beers. I pop pork belly. <laughs> and we just started smiling. And I was like, do you mind if I ask how old are you? And he was like 88 years old. And I was like, God bless you, sir. Yes. The, nice. uh, the fountain of youth nice. is through, passing is on the knowledge. Belly. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, uh, so I'll obviously I'll enjoy and uh, and 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 influence my uh, flavor blends and what have you. But right next door at H Mart uh, is a grocery store that is heavily uh, Asian, and yeah, they'll have pork belly for whatever seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine a pound. So yeah, I'll grab a couple of pounds and uh, yeah, I take it home and. Usually I'll keep it simple, right? Just do kind of a salt, pepper, garlic rub and uh, let it let it just kind of air mm -hmm. air chill for two days in the in the fridge. Um, get some, let, yeah, let that some let some moisture get out of there, kind of tighten it up a little bit. And I actually mm -hmm. do it in the air fryer. I'll uh, I'll go low and slow. Nice. Yeah, we got like an eight quart air fryer. You know, and they're just a mini convection oven is what they are. But if you called it mini convection oven, oh, yeah. Americans wouldn't buy it. But you call it a fryer. Good lord, they can't yeah. keep them in stock. I know that was that was some smart marketing. Yes, indeed. But yeah, just, you know, a little bit of on the day of putting it in uh, some fresh garlic, a little bit of baking soda to help crisp up that skin, do a low and slow at 190 for a while and then uh, crank that thing up to 400 for 15 minutes. Um, you know, let it rest a little bit and, and pretty much. Yeah, just eat the pork belly right there. I've done some like balmy pizzas. Got a little like oyster Ooh. sauce or a hoisin with some with some sriracha as the base. Um, cook down some fi uh, some uh, star anise and like mix that in with the cheese. Um, wow! Yeah, and just kind of kind of try to replicate. Do some pickled onions, some pickled radish that goes on to the pizza afterwards, and just in a lot of uh, you know multiple textures and how. I love the idea of bonmi pizza. Yeah, pork belly, pork, very versatile, very delicious. Roasted too, like, you know, just kind of almost like you would do a, uh, you know, like a Hoston pepper or just any kind of mm -hmm. lamp, shank, shank kind of stew or whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, bacon's wonderful, right? But why not have a bacon steak? I mean, come on. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I like I like it. Smoke. I've done that on the barbecue gym sometimes too, right? Just uh, do, yeah. do some low cold smoke on it, and then uh, you know hit it with a hot hot sear. But <sighs> Jeff, tell me, yeah. what's your favorite pork belly preparation? Uh, you know, I I guess it's changed a few times. Um, 
but right now I'm really loving just a, a like a pork belly burn end, just kind of that sweet, salty, savory kind of everything at once with a little bit of smoke. Um, yeah, like like candy, candied pork belly, more or less. But yeah, uh, I I guess that's probably my favorite preparation right now. It's a little decadent. I I really like just doing like a pork belly rice um, where I'll just serve it real simply, just like you said, like even just salt and pepper. Um, get that skin nice and crispy and then just serve that on rice with a little bit of chili oil or something like yep. that, you know, keep it basic and and really like just go for that kind of texture. You know, it's funny. I was uh, I was in Sacramento for the uh, the California um, Guild Summit, um, the company that I with had yeah. a booth and I was trying to, you know, get around Sacramento, find some stuff. And I found a proper Asian market and that was it. There was just she had pork belly and she had a side of rice. Uh, and I had to buy, you know, I bought some, uh, some chili oil and, and I had a little, a sweet that had a kitchenette and that's it, man. I just, uh, I, I put the fry pan on, put the chili oil down, put the pork belly in there, heated up the rice. And I think I ate that at least two or three times in the three days yeah, I, I was there. I think I could live on that. <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. so <laughs> it's so good. Throw, throw an occasional fried egg on it just to really take it over the top. But yeah. Absolutely. So you're also yeah, you're also a ramen eater, which is uh, another great thing to have some pork belly in. Um, what kind of ra- what kind of ramens do you like? Are you into tonkatsu, or are you more of a shoyu ramen? What's your what's your jam? Um, so unfortunately, I don't have the uh, knowledge of the description of either of those things. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I buy like a big case, and it's uh, which one? It? It's got a red red color on it, and it's it's spicy. Um, oh, is it the shin? Maybe. Yeah. Is it red? I think it's shin. red and black. Yeah. yeah. Sounds... Yep. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'll uh, I'll keep it simple, but also you know, just like I remember, I think it was uh, YouTube or something, and you know, the trick of the best ramen is when you're uh, cracking an egg into the broth when you're just starting to cook. Yeah, and whipping that yeah. in to create that protein yeah. and stabilize, and then um, you know, I usually I'll do some, uh, dried shiitake. I'll put in some of the chili oils, nice. um, get the, get the noodles going and then crack another egg that I want to have at like, you know, a, a, a soft boil too with the yeah. yolk runny eventually. Um, and then I usually always have some Thai basil sitting in the fridge and, you know, just kind of throw in some, uh, um, bean sprouts or whatever just to just to finish it up and yeah uh, if, if there's pork belly in the fridge or a little bit of duck left over or whatever uh whatever protein is sitting there and waiting for its next voyage um add that yeah, yeah add that, that at the end and keep yourself hydrated and get a good belly yeah, there's certain bed. dishes like that where i kind of look at them as a as a fridge rating dish like i you know i don't know what i'm gonna put in there but i know i'm gonna fling that fridge door open wide and just start grabbing is, there's, there's almost an emotional success when you've emptied like you know three containers of yes. leftovers yes <laughs> oh dan you know it man that is so, so true, true. I, it's a game i like to play too i'm like killed it yeah. killed it killed yeah, it exactly yeah. i can now i can it's go great. back and make another big batch of rice a big batch of chicken legs chicken thighs totally. whatever it is yep. just because that's it you know like everyone my wife is always like oh god i wish we did more meal prep and i was like babe how many times have you opened up the fridge been able to grab three or four leftovers that are a day or two old put a put a dish together and moved on with your life she's like well yeah but 
you know, is that really food prep? And I was like, yes, that's food prep Absolutely. in our household. That is yeah. the definition it's, of food it's prep. All, it's all parts waiting to be assembled. And <laughs> honestly, when people say like, oh, I don't eat leftovers, you know, I, I just go out to restaurants and whatever, I don't really eat le- leftovers. Well, guess what? If you're going to restaurants, you're eating probably what you would call leftovers because they cooked that yesterday. It's been sliced. It's ready to, you know, to be completed into a dish. But those are leftovers like, you know, no, no cook is going to be like, all right, this this dish needs chicken broth. Time to start making the chicken broth. No, they made that on they made that on Monday. You know, it's it's leftovers. And so I think when you get in the habit of kind of cooking that way in your own kitchen, you've now put all these ready to go ingredients kind of at your fingertips that you can really assemble something special pretty quickly. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I when I was uh, my last head chef position was at my my uncle's um, deli, and it was really fun. It was a a pretty substantially large specialty food shop grocery store, and it had five families all under one roof. Everybody had their own, um, you know, barcodes, and they all ran through the same registers. Um, and the food, the 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 produce um, section, it was it's, it, in the Berkshires. It's called uh, Guido's Specialty Foods. And the boys that created it, uh, Massiero Brothers, they literally, in the 80s when they started it, they would drive to Boston every morning, which is about 120 miles across the state. And they would buy, like, from the farmers, like, farmer's market fresh and bring it back. Um, so you just had, you know, compared to the large chain grocery stores, the food with the, Fantastic. With the produce was just unmatchable. And uh, and they were really driven and, and very passionate about it. So. Um, we had a lot of small family grocery stores throughout the city that the neighborhoods changed. It may have not been the Italian neighborhood anymore. So you had the Mazio family that opened up the butcher shop within this place. And the Massiero family had the the meat, mo- oh, sorry, seafood monger. And, uh, and uh, the burger boys who I uh, was associated with had the, uh, the prepared foods. Um, and it was killer, man. Like I used to be able to create all kinds of menu items every day. Uh, fax machines to all of the yeah. uh, insurance companies, the law offices, the medical facilities. And I would send out my daily uh, menu and then we'd get phone calls reserving, um, you know, like a chicken breast stuffed with a Swiss Gruyere, Westphalian ham and some apple yeah, or ball. whatever I put together. And uh, I'd make like daily risottos, daily pasta dishes to starches and then just stir fry combos to go along and it was so much fun to share that with with folks that you know get a get a sitter spend that money on uh, on that for the kids get yourself out of the work office about getting ready to hit your reservation on time or you can swing by here and uh, for a third of the cost have fresher food and grab a bottle of wine for a third of the cost as well and then just go home i, and I like it and i see more of those i know that's kind of an old world concept that that we kind of lost with supermarkets a little bit but i i see more of those food collective uh multi food stall with a market inside kind of concepts coming back and i it makes me think that some of them might be missing that opportunity of creating dishes using you know each other's items to create some like daily signature dish that has a little bit of lettuce from the produce market, a little bit of cheese from the cheese store. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like that concept of like collectively building a dish that represents maybe all the vendors. You know, and it goes back to like, you're talking about the leftovers where like, I would go over to the produce and they would have, you know, if the, if the bell pepper wasn't, you know, perfect, it had a little wrinkle because of being dehydrated. Yeah. They wouldn't, they couldn't sell it. 
So I would yep. buy all of those seconds because I'm going to cook with them. I'm not going to, I'm not going to use that pepper, that wilted pepper to make a veggie tray, but I'm sure as hell going to cook oh, yeah. it down and put it in my risotto. Um, and so it was wonderful to be able to give second life to something that otherwise would have been discarded. Um, and also just as you're saying, because I'd have to go over to Mazio's and buy the chicken and I'd have to go to Massiero's to buy the shrimp or whatever it was. Um, so it was, it was going to that nice level of eclectic, um, cohesion that, uh, came together and highlighted not just what we were preparing in our, uh, segment, but also trying to influence those that were shopping to continue to expand their preparation and, and being able to see the versatility that existed within. Uh, yeah. The, the and even if and they don't buy that sandwich, they can look at that and go, that's possible from what they sell. Okay. I got to go shop there. I like that. I like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So that's you mentioned, it. you mentioned baklava and I love baklava yeah. too. So let's talk about baklava. Why is that dessert so special to you? And what's, where have you had it that you really were impressed? You know, I, I, it's other than having something that's really dry and just non-authentic, it's really I've had the dry not and not authentic ones, though. So I, I have that uh, reference as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, really, I, you know, growing up in that, that, you know, the, the, the burgers and that Lebanese sure. uh, spinoff of the family, um, just that who knew that honey could be such an influence and why the heck would I ever want to? have something that was made with roses mm -hmm. um you know just so many weird things that come together even a pistachio for me as a young child was a was a weird thing um and then having them all come together in this beautiful you know let's call it a dessert but let's face it baklava is uh is, is it's good it's no matter what yeah it's of kind of an energy bar reason. like when i think about some of the things yeah and and when yes. i was in i got to visit istanbul and when i was there they had they had what they called uh Turkish Viagra on the shelf and it was made out of crushed nuts. I don't remember if it was pistachios. I think I, maybe it was like almond. No, I don't know. Some kind of crushed nuts, maybe walnuts, even um, dates and honey. And that's all those, just those three ingredients. And they called it Turkish Viagra. And that was the idea. It was really just supposed to be, you know, an energy bar. And I think that's, you know, at the same time, that's what kind of uh, yep. baklava is. It's a uh, two little bites and you're good to go for a few more hours of work. That's it. And, you know, and that's the thing, too, right? Because that's in Denver. I, I have a we grew up, I had a place on Colfax downtown and, you know, very Greek influence there along along the strip. And uh, and yeah, there's a little Greek bakery. And if I was just out walking the dog or even in the club, I just wanted a quick bite to sustain from lunch to dinner. I could pop in there, grab a couple mm -hmm. of quick bites of baklava and see what else see what else they had fresh that day as a as an influence. Um, but yeah, utilizing it as, as again, that, that energy bar and just, uh, you know, putting a smile on your face of many memories. I mean, my, my grandparents would always, uh, would always have, have it available. And I remember being a kid, right. And, you know, one of the, one of the big memories was, uh, chocolate milk. Oh yeah. I always had like, like quick or Hesley and, and yeah. Cause we, mom would always be, mom and dad were very hippie. Um, I remember at one point my mother tried to make a burger out of uh, out of lentils. <laughs> that was that was a catastrophe. The poor thing. She had she had all the uh, right intentions. Um, but getting to grandma's house, you know, there was uh, Twinkies and Hostess cakes and there was uh, chocolate milk and there was baklava. And uh, I remember always uh, 
thinking about the the joy of seeing my grandmother, but then correlating that with uh, with the the sweet treats that grandparents are traditionally uh, much more open to sharing with their grandchildren versus yeah, the parents. Yeah, I love it. The, the idea of even just like loading them up with sugar treats and then being like, "Okay, time to go home." <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, luck. That's, that's See you classic. later. <laughs> uh, you mentioned too that your your grandfather made an amazing bean soup. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we used to, you know, think about, you know, going to the grocery store and your hams are all honey hams and sweet hams and whatever the hell happened to the people's palates that where's a, just a good proper leg of uh yeah. of, of pork, right? A nice, nice cured ham. And uh uh, that was the nice aspect of the Italian uh, side was, uh, yeah, cured mm. ham was a regular thing and uh, prosciutto and, you know, all, all obviously all kinds of cured salamis and, and what have you. But he would uh, he would go and, and, and he would hit up either the butcher or even prepared foods and he would get, you know, the the bone itself that would otherwise have been cleaned out or he'd get a full leg of ham and, and that leftover bone would just... Uh, he would boil it so that the broth was coagulated and it was just so beautiful. I remember and uh and having the beans cooked in that that bone marrow and all of uh all of the goodness that went along to really create that stew approach. And I uh I remember he used to use uh uzo as oh, the nice. pasta and, and we used to always joke around that they were birds, they were birds' tongues that had uh that your grandfather had had taken from the birds and put into the Love soup. That. <laughs> But it was great because you knew when you were going over to Papa's for bean soup, not only were you going to enjoy a bowl or two yourself, but you were going to leave with a substantial portion and uh, and be able to warm yourself up a couple of plates the next uh, Monday, Tuesday into Wednesday, d- depending Definitely. on how long it lasts. So, yeah. Yep. That was uh, always, always a, uh, a favorable thing. And. And I, you know, it's funny. Oh, I don't make I was that just dish, about to right? ask you I, that. I, yeah. Emotional... You don't, you haven't, you haven't recreated grandpa's yeah. beans. You know, once in a while, I'll, I'll kind of mess with it, but I don't, I, it's almost something that, you know, you, you, we always, we always uh, have a way of remembering yeah. those that we've lost. And, uh, I think there's, you know, those, those emotions and those memories that are tied to the old factor and, and to food. Um, and I, and I have a very strong memory of, uh, of my grandfather's dish and, 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 and for me to try to replicate it seems like it would be a dis- dishonor to his memory um where it's one of those things where you retire it you put it up on the shelf you know you could take it down and play with it but you you just leave it there out of respect and uh and you continue to have those uh long lasting well, and, and that's the thing is just you don't have to so, go yeah. make it again you don't have to try to duplicate it or anything but it's going to be with you no matter what it's it's i'm sure influenced the way you cook the way you taste things the way you enjoy you know slow cooked foods i'm sure it's had its influence so it's if it's not coming out of you Absolutely. as a, you know, duplication, then it's coming out of you in other ways, you know, inspired you to to kind of be the cook that you are. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The, the methodology. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Like, so, so my version of <clears throat> Papa's bean soup is my nice. uh, there you split go. pea soup, you know, doing that. Yeah. Doing that same preparation, getting the leg bone and, uh, and cooking it, you know, making, make, taking the time to really make that stock and make sure that, uh, that you're just, you know, you're breaking down all of those fats and proteins and getting that coagulate kind of uh, consistent, you know, you know, it's, there's nothing better than having soup that you put in the fridge and the next day, it's just a solid mass. 
um, and you got to warm it up to break it back down into a liquid. Dan, I kid you not. That's exactly how I do my my beans. <laughs> I I do. I yes. create the bone broth. It is a jelly when it goes in with the beans. Yep. So I'll cook the beans to a certain stage. They're not fully cooked, but then I'll add the the kind of broth jelly in to, to finish them, finish the cooking. But yeah, I, I love that texture. It makes them silky. It makes them just, just oh so rich. And I I love beans. Like I am a huge fan, especially there's been this a bit of a revival in some of the heirloom varieties of beans being available. Uh, there's a company I like to order from called Rancho Gordo, and they just keep putting out all these just really interesting, flavorful beans. And one of the ones we tried the other day, I think it was called like a red eye bean or something like that. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. Um but it, it suggested that you cook it with a ham hock and we didn't have a ham hock. And so we just cooked it without anything. And I swear, I don't know if this is some kind of psychosomatic thing or what. I swear it tasted like ham hocks. We didn't put any ham hocks in there, but it tasted like <laughs> ham hocks. There was this hammy taste. And I looked it up online and people know people agree. Those beans taste like ham. And okay. so there's these, yeah, there's these fun heirloom varieties of beans that are making a resurgence. And, and I would encourage, you know, you or anyone else to, try to find some of these fun new varieties and and beans are uh, I, I almost think like sometimes when we have things these days what we're having is sort of they chose two or three varieties to go ahead and, and commoditize and commercialize and so they they hold them back um, they over dry them and so you're not going to get that same texture they hold them back until the price is right and then they sell them all at once when the price is good instead of with oh, these yeah. These small batch beans, you're just getting them, you know, they do the initial drying and then they sell them out and they sell them quick. And so they they take less time to cook. They're more flavorful and they're they're really more interesting beans. You could almost kind of let them tell you which way to take them because they've already got such an interesting flavor profile, all these different beans. But anyway, I'm off on a bean tangent. But just to say no. that your grandpa knew what he was doing and bone beans are the shit. <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, and, and you, you're, you're going to have to send me some suggestions because I literally today, I uh, uh, yesterday I put together a fresh chimichurri and I've got a uh, flank steak that's just been sitting in a marinade. Oh. Um, and I began soaking some black beans this morning to uh, accompany the steak. And who knows what else is going to be on that plate yet, but it'll come to me eventually. I've got until... 6 p.m. my time so i've got a good six hours left still um <laughs> that's that's half yeah, the fun no. too i do that too i'll even get something started and then like you know well what could i do and then i'll even get to the internet and do a little more research on well what's done there you know what are the classic versions like things like that it's so fun to kind of even you know slowly guide it it reminds me of making beer a lot and that's why i love cooking and making beer so much it, is you that know jeff i was waiting I Constant. was actually just waiting for you to I was yeah. waiting for you to finish your thought because it's so just, you can it see is that. Like that reflection of brewing, right? And yeah. All of the, the beautiful enzymatics and temperatures and, you know, the proteins and the, the, the soluble versus non and how do you separate and how do you keep flavor profiles? How do you suppress things to get even more influence, especially when you're going crazy cool ship and and uh, and then and then the opposite of trying to make something as clean as you possibly can when you're using the same ingredients um, mm -hmm. and just changing up processes and chemistries, um, yeah, it's 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 endless. It really is such a it, fun thing. And you make it sound like it tickles your like, it tickles your brain as much as it does mine. That endless uh, list of choices and options and processes and it just it's as deep as you want to dive cooking and brewing, uh, which are very similar to me, uh, they offer those opportunities and I, I love it. And the way you're talking about it, I feel like I can hear that same amount of joy. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I know. I still remember getting into beer and thinking like, I always thought beer was so rigid. I thought it was baking and I really was hard. I freaking hated baking because baking's got so many rules and so many parameters and steps that are necessary that you have to take or have to follow to get the influ- or the end result that you're looking for. And the same thing mm-hmm. like with brewing when I first got in, I was like, man, I don't want I just like drinking beer. And uh, and then I was like, huh. It doesn't matter what the hell you do on the hot side. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's just making sure once you crash that temperature from boil that you look and follow the, you're no longer uh, creating your stew. You've got a little baby child and there's a whole culture of yeast that you got to look after and how, uh, how wonderful yeast is in our life, not only for beer, but preservation of food and fermenting goods and, uh, and just, how, uh, you know, again, it's not about you. It's about you being a steward and and caring for something else that's alive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 yeah, really my, that. my my passion of food overlapping with beer preparation, but then taking it into another comfort zone of uh, that's, a, that's a little beer baby right there. Yeah. Yeah. I love beer babies. <laughs> it's been neat to me, you know, over the years, uh, the connections that the the beers that I've made have helped me make. Um, and now that I'm not producing beer, uh, I, I, I crave that same connection that I was able to get. You know, people would uh, try one of my beers and go, oh, wow, like, I can't believe you use this cherry and and that spice. And that's like my grandma used to make or whatever, you know, whatever that connection that it made with them to where they felt like it was uh, it was exciting enough to reach out to me and tell me, and I always appreciated that. And it was like, I'm putting these messages out into the world. And I, I feel like that same draw that I want to do that with food. I want to make food that not only connects me to people, but connects people to each other to where they can have a similar passionate experience, just like they did for the beers I was able to make um, and kind of continue that. I guess, I guess I miss it is what I'm saying. And and this podcast even kind of gives me that opportunity in a way to continue to make those connections through food. Uh, but I want it to be more direct. I crave that, you know, yeah. immediate like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. And, you know, I get to show them the appreciation that I have for them. Yeah, I know. So. It's, uh, it's I, I do a barbecue every year and, and then awesome. years back, you know, it's. 50 70 gosh I, we've probably capped out in the high 80s for attendees and i just say you know bring bring your favorite side that you want to share and leave the protein to me um and it, and it really is fun and i even uh i years ago i got into doing uh, uh biannual juice fasting and uh, i would go 15 to 20 days where i would buy fresh fresh vegetables and apples and fruit oh, wow and i would make my own juice and consume about four liters a day um and i had the barbecue and you just when you're when you shut your system down you cannot like your gallbladder shuts down so you can't have fat and it'll it'll turn into like instant cramp and i found that out very quickly when i Mm. just touched a brisket and tasted it and was like oh that's uncomfortable but uh but yeah i was i was i was pretty uh i was i was dedicated to my cause and i still held my summer barbecue and it was really one of the best times ever because I wasn't eating anything. Um, but I had about 80 people over to my my place and uh, and cooked a big brisket and a pork butt, a couple of chicks and chickens, racks of ribs, salmon belly, sausages, you know, everything. Um, and, uh, and I have to say that the, the memory of being able to be where I was at that time and share that experience with others 
um, is definitely one of the highlights of uh, of every one of my annual barbecues and gatherings. Yeah, it's almost like you lock down one of the variable variables, which is you eating and enjoying it on that level. And so you were able to magnify the importance of everything else that was going on, you know, how much you actually enjoyed the cooking, how much you actually enjoyed people, you know, having your food and enjoying your food. You yeah. you took out the the you variable of, well, it was delicious and I was eating a bunch of it too and whatever. So I think that's that's kind of interesting. I I, I like to think about how, you know, even when we try to focus on kind of a singular part of something like that, it can be hard because of all the distractions of tastes and smells and I'm full and I feel good. And that was, you know, fattening and whatever it is that, that makes you kind of in a different place. And then you, I don't know, appreciate things on a different level. And I think it's, that's gotta be a wild experience to cook for that many people. And you're not even enjoying the barbecue, but you did enjoy the experience. I think that that speaks to no, and I can see are. people in the trenches, right. In the, in the brew house. And especially if you have a window out to yeah. the tap room and, and you're, uh, you're still spraying down or, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing to finish up the, the, the brew day and, and you're kind of exhausted and you're, you're, you're kind of feeling a little frustration maybe or whatever. And you look out there and there's, 30, 40 people that are out there enjoying your wares, smiling, laughing at each other. Mm-hmm. And, and it could go both ways, right? It could be like, God damn it, I want to be out there with them. Or, you know, when you have the the humbleness and, and allow yourself to love your ego, um, just kind of taking a pause and being like, all right, I'm in the shit right now and I may not be the most happy person, but this is why I'm doing it. And looking at those smiling faces is that same kind of uh, that storyline or that feeling. Yeah, you can I think you can make that choice to use it as energy to kind of keep going or you can, you know, like you said, feel like you're missing out the FOMO approach yeah, and let it bog you down. I I, ch- I choose uh, yeah, I choose to use it as energy. I think it's it's why I do it, you know, when I really go into why I like to cook and why I like to to make beer and why I like to travel, it's always people. It's that's I mean, at the end of it it's always, you know, I had a beer with this guy and he was great or I had a meal with this lady and she was amazing. Like whatever the whatever the story is it's not it's not generally like just the food it's it's going to be the place the people the surroundings and you know kind of everything that went into that experience beyond just the food itself yeah no and it's you know and and if we if we get too focused on ourselves right i mean i've i've heard um people saying like you know i've 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 studied hard i've got a good job and and i and i still run into these complications and it just frustrates the hell out of me and i and i you know look at that person and go yeah, life doesn't care how well you got it together. It just keeps moving. It's about you yep. for making that perspective and uh, it is. and realizing that again, it's not about things not going wrong. It's just being fo- having foresight, right? You know, if you know yeah. that your car is going to need tires in eight nine months and they're going to cost you around a thousand dollars when when the time comes, well, then that hurdle's on the horizon. And if you plan for it, by the time that hurdle gets to you, you just walk over it. Um, yep. And that's not the only hurdle. They're all over the damn place. So it is. It's no constant hurdles. Yeah, life doesn't care about your feelings. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's uh, you're you're the one that has to create that 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 internal hum and that and that calming vibration and and having those individual influencive uh, uh, hobbies and passions and things that you can call your therapies. Um, and if it's boiling down a bone bra a bone for a couple of days and then making beans and then sitting back and just putting your feet up while you scoop a bowl of beans into your goblet and uh sounds like heaven to me so you know it's 
How satisfying is that? I, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let the, let the world keep well, Dan, doing Dan, I just wanted to, <laughs> yeah, just thank you so much for coming on, man. I know we had some technical difficulties and we'll try to, we'll try to clean a little bit of it up in the editing, but uh, either way, this has been extremely enjoyable and I, I'm really glad we got to connect on this level, man. Thank you for coming on. Now, I, I wanted to, too, to have an opportunity. Did, is there anything you wanted to plug? Like, what do you got going on these days? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, A, number one, um, thank you again for taking the time and being being passionate enough to want to put this show oh, together happy and, to. and opening happy up, to. thank you, uh, opening up to the folks that you have. So I was I was so jazzed to uh, to, to to be involved with it. And uh, yeah, no, man, you know, I think uh, my biggest takeaways, um, you just, you know, COVID was a was a big change, right? There was, uh, you couldn't mm-hmm. go out anymore. And you, you had to try to do things to support local restaurants. And and local breweries and things. And, and at the same time, we ended up uh, learning how to cook at home too. So one of the hardships for me right now is trying to remember to go out there and stimulate the local economy with, uh, with, 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 uh, with spending money on somebody else preparing food. Cause I just got so used to it. So I guess that's a, yeah. a big plug, but, uh, but yeah, man, otherwise, you know, I just, it, having food, having beer, um, all of the things that occur in our lives, um, yeah, uh, record your data, right? Be able to uh, to 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 have notes that other people can. Uh, to, to, to I I notes. like that. I like that a lot. It's not science if you don't write yeah. it down, is what I've heard people yeah. say. Yeah, I think that's it, right? I mean, it, it, there's so much fun, so many things I throw at stuff, and a lot of people are like, "Well, how'd you do that?" I'd be like, "I have no idea. I was just, I was in yeah. some kind of uh, trance when I did." Um, but yeah, which is fine too, right? So that's it, man. I don't know. I love life. I enjoy the uh, the triumphs in my life. I enjoy the struggles and the challenges, and uh, and you know, just keep people around you, and keep feeding people, and keep being open to people feeding you, and you know, um, and love see it. color, see color. You know, color is culture. Definitely, color is food. Color is history. Be uh, be open. Absolutely. Don't don't go to a restaurant. Don't don't decide to go out to eat because a restaurant has four or five places. Go to that one little dingy place where you're not you're going to be uncomfortable and you're not going to be able to read the menu. Um, yeah, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable is uh, is my big message to the world because uh, you never know what you could lock up, uh, you could open up and within yourself and what passions that you don't even know that you uh, haven't tapped into and where it could lead you. Because um, yeah, I mean, food and beer and friends and good times all uh, I love all it. Come together. And- yeah. And I, I, I always appreciate, you know, that people are on their own food journey and that we're all kind of in a different place. And so like, I, I, I too always invite people to continue to explore. They're like, well, I don't really like this. I don't really like that. And I, I, I like to come back to maybe you just haven't had it prepared, you know, the right way, or maybe you were at the wrong place or, you know, I always try to encourage that continued exploration as well. And and I appreciate you saying, I got to say, I agree with everything you just said too. So, well, you know, right on, you know, man. Jeff, that's 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 why we're here together, and uh, and you know, as Hell we yeah. said, as we, Hell as yeah. we, you and I were talking. You know, we've uh, we've been in the same industry. We've uh, we've had niceties with each other, but we don't really have a true, deep, uh, personal uh, connection. And I and I have to say that that has uh, that that's changed today. So I I, I completely yeah. agree. And now I need that that's hug. At I some need point. that warm embrace from my brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll have a, have a great day, man. I'll talk to you soon. Be good to yourself, man. I'll catch you soon.